All right, well, welcome to GNCC Chapel. I'm Chuck Leemaster with Team Faith, and it's a little different this weekend with the uh, uh, me standing underneath the Fuel Ministries tent instead of Team Faith tent, but thanks to our partner and friends uh, at Fuel Ministry. Uh, if you follow me on social media, you might have caught that we had some trouble getting up here. I left the day early and Friday morning. I was going to be here like Friday by noon, and uh, our rig broke down, so that motorhome I'm usually driving been a good one I know it was uh, a God thing that we were able to get that and but like anything it it needs it breaks you know it's mechanical so it, the it's got a Cummins engine in it the diesel and the high pressure fuel pump went out on it and the parts were not available until today so if I'd have waited for today to get the parts and then do the work uh, or have somebody do the work I wouldn't have made it so uh, it's at a shop in Corbin Kentucky right now and a friend came along and rescued us and Grabbed the U-Haul trailer, and here we are. So thank God. I believe that uh, I believe that there was some adversity, intentional, by somebody for this weekend because I believe that God's doing great things here. So um, with that, I've got a friend here, Ryan. You guys might remember him from last year if you were here. Come on up here, Ryan. He uh, he surprised us last year with a wrap. And he's like, man, I got a new one. I don't want these steal your thunder, brother. So you just take it away. I hope it's. Um, I don't know if it was the same song. I got two good ones. I don't know if it's the same one I did last year, but uh, now I don't know if you guys are in the rat, but uh, it goes, uh, when I say I want that holy, uh, when I say I want that overdose, it ain't about the drugs, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost running through my blood, I'm looking for that overflow, something I can love, you think the show's over, I don't know, it's just begun. You can call me special feature. Yeah, it's nice to meet you. But my name is not what I came to teach you. Yo, I know a God who can save and won't leave you. He don't show his face, but he don't really need to. I give him the glory for everything I have. He's more than just a story or something of the past. Ain't afraid to talk about it. Ain't afraid to act. See, I'm just being me, man. I don't need the mask. Y'all about the fast life, living for the money. A lot of people act like rap type guns. Running from the cops, see to me that's nothing. According to you, yeah, that might mean something. That's why I give it to you in a form you understand. Because sometimes in life things never go as planned. And sometimes you might feel like there's no chance. Quit trying to control it and just put it in his hands. You feel me? If God's so real, why the world's so crazy? The rape rate climbing, the girls having babies. Murders in the streets, murders in the schools. If God really cared, he wouldn't let the pain pursue. But a lot of y'all are looking from the wrong angle, an overdose of sin and your whole life's tangled. Look in the Bible, even Satan was an angel. That just goes to show that lust for power will create you. And there's something crazy and there's something pitiful. You don't want the truth, now you'll get it at your funeral. Some think it's a joke, overdose, keep laughing. Ain't gonna be so funny when you're laying in your casket. Yeah, he can save you, I ain't trying to play you. I'm just trying to represent the one and only Savior. Lies of the world leave you like a broken heart. So why are you looking for the same thing that tore you apart? You ain't got the picture yet, you got the wrong paint. I know I'm hitting you with a lot of information, but what I'm trying to do is introduce you to a Savior. I worship a God that made the world in six days. I worship a God that'll never turn away. I worship for truth, yeah, I worship for faith. And even if you kill me, you couldn't take that away. Cause I'm living for that overdose, something get me high. I'm going to represent it with my flow until I die. The devil says you're hopeless, it's just all up in your mind. I'd rather die for truth than live forever for a lie. Wow, yeah! <laughs> I don't know how you do it, brother, but that was, that's good, man. I like that. That's, uh, that's so fitting because talking about sin and how we want to live in our own way and the overdose, dude, that's spot on. It's from God. So, Lord, thank you for today. 
You've got great things in store for us. And uh, just open our hearts. Give me the words to communicate your truth. I pray that hearts will be receptive and that this night honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, also on, on social media, I posted that we'd be doing baptism tonight. And so there's a nice, beautiful pond over here. We had the slip and slide in it. As you can tell, I was, I was running the, uh, the water truck there. And kids, I mean, there were hundreds of kids, I think, at one time there. And uh, we had a really good time. Chased all the snakes out of the pond. So, you know, if you want to be baptized tonight, tonight is your night. But to get, to get going with it, I'm going to open up the Word. We're going to dig into Matthew chapter 3. And this is the baptism of Jesus. And so let me just go ahead and open up with, uh, with these words. In those days, John the Baptist, or more accurately, John the Baptizer, came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and his preaching was this. He said, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Matthew says, he, This is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So Matthew, when he writes his gospel, he's always referring people back to the Old Testament like, Hey, this was prophesied, and we've, we've enjoyed doing that this year here on GNCC, to say, hey, this stuff was prophesied, and now it's coming true. And Matthew did the same thing. He said, hey, it was prophesied that there would be a voice crying in the wilderness. And then John the Baptizer comes along. He's now known as John the Baptist. And he comes along. This is the same John that you're introduced to in the book of Luke, that when Mary was pregnant with Jesus, she goes and she sees her, her cousin Elizabeth, and the baby leaps for joy because it recognizes, hey, you are the one that's carrying the Savior of the world. And so John the Baptist arrives on the scene here in Matthew chapter 3, and he's out in the Judean wilderness, and he is baptizing people. Now, baptism is something that we haven't seen at all in the Bible. When you flip to the Old Testament, you'll see that there's some ritual cleansings of the priests. Like, the priest had to be holy before they were allowed in the presence of the Lord in the temple. And so there's some, so there's some washing, some purity rituals there, but there's no such thing as baptism in the Old Testament. So this word is like brand new, John the Baptist, John the Baptizer. What is that all about? He's baptizing people, and, and it was the same thing then as it is now. He's taking them out to the, to the river, and he's dunking them in the water, and he's bringing them up. And why is he doing it? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they were baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. So his whole message was that he was coming along, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He's the same one that said, I am preparing the way for somebody. There is somebody greater than me that's going to come along. This guy that comes along, I am not even worthy to tie his sandal. I shouldn't even stoop down and, and strap his sandal at all because I'm not worthy. And so John the baptizer is getting ready for the coming Messiah, getting ready for Jesus. And in so doing, he is preaching, repent, turn from your sins, and prove that you've turned by getting baptized in the river and coming up again. Brand new thing. And people are flocking from all over to see him. Matter of fact, Matthew chapter 3 says they're coming from all over the place and the religious leaders come along. And they see what John is doing and they're there basically just to spy on him. Like, why is this guy, he's a very charismatic person, meaning, meaning that he, he draws people to himself. The text here says that he wore he lived out in the wilderness and he wore camel's hair and he ate locust and wild honey. That's pretty radical. And I don't know that if I wore camel's hair and ate locust, you might show up to see me eat a locust, but I'm not gonna do that. <laughs> if a locust is anything like broccoli, I don't want anything part to do with it, okay? 
But John the Baptist wearing camel's hair, eating locusts and honey, and people are coming from all over the place. The religious leaders, they show up, and he sees them, and he's like, what are you guys doing here? He says, you need to live in accordance to what you preach. You need to practice what you preach. And he calls them a brood of vipers. I mean, he's, he's really hard on them. And then the text goes on and says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented and Jesus was baptized. Okay, <laughs> I got to stop right there. Because John the Baptist, Jesus comes and says, Hey, John, baptize me. Now, why is John baptizing people? Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your sins. Jesus comes along. We know in 2021, who is Jesus? The Son of God. The perfect Lamb of God. The, the very one who had never committed any sin comes to John the Baptist and says, Baptize me. And John the Baptist says, I need to be baptized by you. And then Jesus explains why he wants to be baptized. We need to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John's like, oh, okay. That doesn't clear it up for me. <laughs> but let's go on. Because I'll tie it in in the end. John the Baptist baptizes him. Jesus, it says that the, the Holy Spirit came on Jesus in the form of a dove, comes down, and other passages relate that a voice from heaven, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then Jesus is led out into the wilderness. John, uh, Matthew chapter 4, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You know what fasting is? Fasting is going without food. After 40 days and 40 nights, it is medically possible. I do know a man who fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. And it was close to death. And he was hungry. And Jesus was close to death. And he was, I mean, this is like the biggest understatement in the entire scripture. He was hungry. He didn't have any food for 40 days, 40 nights. He was hungry. And the tempter came. That's how it always works, my friends. Did you know? It's, it's like Satan always comes at us when we're at our worst, right? When we're at our weakest. Did you know that pastors struggle with sin? Even what they look at on the internet? There are a lot of pastors that struggle with that. You know what the worst day of that is? Monday. It's like after having poured themselves out all weekend and study and the Word, getting up and preaching on Sunday. Monday's like the worst day. Your home church, pray for your pastor on Monday. I'll pray for you on Monday because that's when we're all the weakest. Is after a big weekend when we're tired. That's when the tempter comes. Jesus, 40 days, 40 nights, fasting. He's hungry. He's on the verge of death. And the tempter. Satan himself comes to tempt Jesus. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Okay, that's, that's interesting right there. If you are God, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus responds, He actually responds from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, which says, and he humbled you. This is Moses talking to the people before they cross the Jordan River. He's giving them their, their last commands. He says that when you were out in the wilderness wandering around for 40 years, he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna. So that's what Jesus is, is, is going to quote from, is that uh, that time that the Israelites were out in the wilderness and they were fed with manna. But the interesting thing is, is that if you read 
the Old Testament, all those do's and don'ts, the thou shalt, thou shalt not, there's not a single command there that says thou shalt not turn stones into bread. So what was the temptation that Satan was trying to tempt Jesus with? I mean, it wouldn't have been a sin for Jesus to turn a rock into bread. He could do it, right? I mean, he could, he could do anything. He could walk on water as we learn later in the story of his life. So what's the deal with this? Turning back to this Deuteronomy chapter 8, this is the story that Moses tells. He reminds the people that God humbled you when you were out in the wilderness and he let you hunger and he fed you with manna, which you didn't know, neither did your ancestors. He did it that you, he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, which is what Jesus quoted. But now that we take what Jesus quoted and we put it into context of the Old Testament, it starts to be clear. Because what Moses did in this passage right here is he reminds the Israelites where they came from. If you were with us a couple years ago, we went through the ages and through the pages. From Genesis to Revelation in 13 different rounds. So we, we covered a lot of ground, but it always started with God had a plan and a purpose. You were created on purpose for a purpose. And God came to Abraham back in the early days before anybody knew who God was. He said, Abraham, have a plan. I'm going to make myself known to the whole world. I'm going to use you to do it. You are going to be the father of a great nation through you. You're going to be a father of lots of people with lots of land. The whole world is going to be blessed because of you. A three-part Abrahamic covenant is what it's called. And so from there, Abraham had, uh, had a son who had two sons who had 12 sons, became the 12 tribes of Israel. They're enslaved in Egypt. They come out of Egypt because Moses leads them out into the wilderness. And there they rebel. They say, we're hungry. Moses, why did you bring us out of the wilderness to die here? Can't we just go back to Egypt? We were slaves there and we cried out to God to deliver us, but at least we were alive there. Now we're out here in this wilderness and we're going to die of starvation. So Moses, what are you going to do about this? And this is when God sent the manna from heaven. And Moses says, God did this to test you. God did this to humble you. God did this because he had a plan and a purpose. His whole purpose was to mold you into the nation of people that he could use to bless the entire earth. And you guys failed the test, even though he provided manna. And so Satan comes to Jesus and says, hey, the same thing. Hey, God's left you out here 40 days, 40 nights. You're about to die. Take charge of your life. You can fix this. Turn that stone into bread and it'll all be good. And Jesus says, no, I am here on purpose for a purpose. I'm not going to do it my own way. You see, this is actually, this right here is one of the biggest tests of our life because it happens all the time. We are, what are we calling it, a self-actualized people. I mean, we're so smart in America in 2021 right now. You can do it if you put your mind to it. You take charge of your own destiny. There's something to be said for that. But what's your purpose? What's God's purpose? In the greater scheme of things, what's God's purpose in your life? We so often want to take charge of our own life and do it our own way. God isn't coming through for me. I'm going to do it on my own. Okay, we'll just keep on moving because this theme becomes really, really clear. Satan fails because Jesus quotes scripture. Man shall not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on a pinnacle of the temple. So he's way up high. He says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down for it is written. He'll command his angels concerning you 
and on their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. What Satan does here is he quotes from Psalm chapter 91. He says, if you, if you throw yourself off this pinnacle, Psalm says, the prophecy says that you'll be taken care of. So do it. Now, once again, there's no law in the Old Testament that says thou shalt not bungee jump. Right? There's no law that says you can't throw yourself off. Oh, I mean, there is murder. Don't commit murder and suicide would be murder. So I guess there's that. But Jesus... Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And this is from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So to understand what's this temptation and why is it significant, we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 16. This is still Moses. He's talking to the people before they go over. He says, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test, comma, as you did at Massa. Anybody know what happened at Massa? We just talked about the, the manna. The people were out in the wilderness and, the, and they said, Hey, Moses, we're hungry. We're going to die out here. What are you going to do about it? And God provides manna. That's Exodus chapter 16, I think it is. The very next chapter is Massa. The people get filled with their manna. They're back on track. And then what happens when you eat? You get thirsty. Exactly. You're like, Moses, we ain't got no water. We're out in the desert here, man. We got this manna, but now we're going to die of thirst. They just saw God provide manna from heaven. Like they woke up in the morning, there's all these flakes on the ground, and they said, hmm, I wonder what that tastes like. They ate it, and they're like, well, hey, it tastes like honey. I guess we'll, we'll call it manna. God just provided for them. And then they say, well, we're thirsty. And they're talking, they're grumbling against Moses, talking about killing him and going back to Egypt. So Moses goes to God and says, God, what am I supposed to do about this? And, uh, and God says, strike the rock and when Moses struck the rock water pours out of it and so he named the place Massa because of the quarreling of the people and because they tested the Lord by saying is the Lord among us or not so Jesus says it is written you shall not test the Lord your God what did the people do they tested the Lord their God by what by grumbling by complaining by fighting against God's purpose for their life. God had this whole plan that the whole world's going to be blessed through you, and every step they're fighting against Him. Now, before we start casting stones at them, look at my own life. How have I done that? Yeah, God has a plan and a purpose for me, but in order to accomplish that, man, I got to live. You know, I'm not supposed to be getting drunk, I'm not supposed to be sleeping around, I'm not supposed to be doing anything fun. I mean, I'll just do life my own way. Testing the Lord God. Put into this, I know better. You see, when I was doing my research for this message, I came across a um, came across a fellow who preached on this. He says, you're not supposed to test the Lord your God like these parents that let their kids race motocross. You know, you're not supposed to test the Lord. I'm like, dude, you gotta go back to the source. Why did why was it called test the Lord your God? Because they were complaining and grumbling against God. They were fighting against his purpose in their life. The first temptation goes hand in hand with the second temptation. So now we move on to the third temptation. Satan's failing. He's He's 0 for 2. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you, and if you will fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. This seems like a pretty obvious one, right? You're not supposed to worship Satan. We all know that. Anybody hear the story of Katy Perry? She grew up in a Christian home, wanted to be a, a, a Christian singer. Her career wouldn't really launch and then in, a, in an interview and you can look it up on YouTube and she's like so I sold my soul to the devil 
like it's nothing. And if you watch any of her music videos, they are dark and scary. It is written, you shall worship the Lord your God only, and Him only shall you serve. You see what happens? What happens is we want to live into our own purpose in our life. We have a plan for our own lives. And it doesn't really seem to match up with what God's plan is. And so we fight and we struggle. We try to make it happen. And it doesn't really work out. We grumble against God and we kind of have it out with Him. And then the final phase is we just give up on God altogether and we turn our back. And Jesus at that point, He said, Be gone from me, Satan. It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, Him, and Him only shall you serve. And then the angels came and ministered to Jesus and he started his ministry. That was the start. No miracles had happened yet, but that was the start. That was the launch of his ministry from that point. From that point on, he, he went out into Judea and Galilee and Jerusalem and he started telling people uh, about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And ultimately, he laid down his life as the perfect sacrifice for our sins. You see, here's the connection. Why did Jesus have to get baptized? That which we can do for ourselves, Jesus led by example. That which we cannot do for ourselves, Jesus did for us. You see, none of us here have lived a perfect and sinless life. We have all said, I want what I want, when I want, the way that I want, I want it right now. At some point, in some way, we have sinned against God. We have hurt our fellow man. We have hurt our fellow human beings. We have gone our own wayward way. We've gone against God. We've sinned. Jesus never did. Never lost focus that He was the deed, the Son of God, came to pay the price for us. You see, in the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and, for, and by Genesis chapter 3, sin had entered the picture. The perfect garden of Eden. Sin entered that picture and ruined that relationship with our Creator. And God said in Genesis chapter 3 that He was going to make a way. Then He comes to Abraham and says, I'm going to make a way. And then comes Jesus who made the way. And so, instead of fighting and trying to make life work on your own terms, you come to a point where you surrender it all. And you say, alright God, I'm all in. I am all for you. Jesus, I need you. And when you say, Jesus, I need you, and you confess your sins, I'm sorry for being a sinner, Lord. I need Jesus to pay that death penalty for me. Jesus comes into our life. We are a new creation. At that point, there's one other thing that Jesus led by example. You're familiar with communion. One of those things, he, it was a brand new thing, a brand new covenant, one in the Old Testament. But Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, he took the drink. He said, this do in remembrance of me. That which we can do for ourselves, Jesus led by example. Let me be clear. Baptism and communion do not save you. They do not get you into heaven. Accepting Jesus as your Savior by saying, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Come into my life. Come into my heart. That's what saves you. And then baptism is a public demonstration of your sins being washed away. We go under the water. The old man is being buried. The new man is being risen to new life in Jesus Christ. And it's a public affirmation to all of our friends, all of our family. I'm not who I once was. I am a new creation. And so with that, we are going to move from right here, right over to the pond, and we're going to have a little baptism uh, service, okay? Uh, my friend Donnie is going to go first. 
He contacted me earlier this season and said, hey man, if you ever baptize somebody, I need to be baptized. I want the world to know that I'm all in for Jesus. I am a new creation. I'm a Christian. I want to do that. So here we are. We've got the opportunity. We just did the slip and slide. All the snakes, all the snapping turtles were out of there. We scared them off. So we're going to baptize. And let me just open the invitation. Anybody who wants to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, here's how you do it. I just ask you to bow your heads right now. I'm going to say a simple prayer. These are not magic words. I preached against magic words a couple weeks ago. But in sincerity of your heart, if you say, God, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. Wash me in my sins. Make me a new creation. That's all it takes, my friends. God, be with us right now. Your Holy Spirit's on this place. There's a lot of adversity getting here. I know there are people that need to accept Jesus Christ. And I know that there are people that desire to make their new life known to the rest of the world. So bless us as we move over to this, uh, this, this pond here, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would, just join me over here, and we'll have a little baptism service GNCC style. <laughs> I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the 